Welcome to The Other Side of 40. My name is April Grant, and I'm here to help women make positive changes with their lives after the age of 40. Let The Other Side of 40 become your community to find inspiration and support to start the next chapter of your life. Let's do it. Hello, this is April, and welcome to another episode of The Other Side of 40. Today, we have on... Uh, Jackie Omotaladay, and she is someone who loves to travel. So I'm so excited about this, even though we are on a travel ban and we can't go anywhere, but hopefully when the world wakes back up, we can go anywhere we want to. So Jackie O is a former attorney turned technology executive who is also an original OG digital nomad and serial expat. She has been crisscrossing the globe for over 25 years. Jackie is currently slow traveling full time with her toddler daughter, Ruth. She empowers black women to lead magical lives abroad. Isn't that, I mean, that sounds like an awesome intro. So let's get into it. So my signature question, tell us about your awakening moment. So I think for me, there were several awakening moments, but I think the first started when I was just a little bitty girl and I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I am blessed that I had parents and a family who were very much determined to expose me to the international to, I mean, I I always say, and I probably say I grew up in the hood, but I say I grew up in the hood, not in the negative sense, although I definitely grew up in the heart of the crack epidemic and all that stuff. But I also grew up surrounded by a lot of just really good people who just empowered me to want more, to do more, to read books. My mom was buying me books and encyclopedias from when I was itty bitty. I had my passport, both my passports, because I'm a dual citizen of Nigeria and the U.S. since I was at least one or two years old. So it was always about, you know, there's more than the block. (laughs) Right. And I knew that I always wanted to see more than a block. And it started off just, you know, through books and through encyclopedias. I remember when my mom had the person come to our house and you know sell us the world book and you know from there because you know i grew up before google before internet before all oh, that i remember stuff, so i remember me. having the whole set of encyclopedias but we didn't own them okay. um my uncle owned them because okay. you know they're not cheap so no, they're not cheap at all <laughs> at all and so and just going and just going i remember every summer you know most libraries would have um reading clubs and reading programs and reading contests and I would win them all just because I would read just so many books and I was just so passionate about learning and discovering and that curiosity was always nurtured for me so I always knew that I never wanted to necessarily box myself in but of course as you get older and you learn more and you get wiser and you get more experiences you just continue to push yourself and push yourself but I think that awakening moment for me was really discovering that do not ever let someone else define you do not ever box yourself in but just but just go with it like be your own person, determine your own path. And when one door shuts, another door will open. I mean, that's, I remember spending so much time in books and I loved reading and it, it just takes you to magical places. It takes you all over the world, whether or not you're reading fiction or nonfiction, it really, you can really immerse yourself in them. So how did that get you to where you are now? So you, that was your first awakening when you were young that you really want to travel the world, but at some point you decided to do it. 
Yes. At some point I decided to do it. And that is when I was, when I officially, officially, I mean, I was, I was traveling a lot as a kid, but when I was 16 years old, I was like, you know what? I am over Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, all like the Rodney King stuff, all that had gone down. So that, you know, this is pre black lives matters, but still black lives matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was like, you know what? Like, this is just not, this is not for me. And I once again, went back to that handy dandy library. So and this is why till this day, uh, I still donate to public libraries regularly. Um, I went to the public library, researched on my own how to find a scholarship to study abroad. And I didn't care where I was going, as long as it was going to be fully paid for, because my mama didn't have the five to six grand at that time that it cost to study abroad for a year. Um, And so I researched, I got, wrote my application on a typewriter. My mama gave me the 25 cent, the quarter stamp (laughs) to, to mail that application in. And I would say from there, it was probably six to eight weeks before, you know, I, you know, I did an interview and I was on a plane, um, flying into Germany to study abroad for a year. Wow. Where do you end up studying? I'm so in Germany. I studied Oh, Germany. Yep. I studied in a very small, a very small village. My village was so small that there was not a school for kids to learn. So we had to be bused to the next town, which was slightly larger. Wow. Yes. Wow. So that, I mean, I've always wanted to study abroad. The most I did was a couple of weeks <laughs> visiting and traveling. So how did that experience mold into, so that was the beginning of your real traveling bug as, you know, making your own decisions on where to go. Where did you go next? Where'd you go from there? So then it was just from there, I just got the bug. I mean, it was, and at that time I was 16, they had this thing called a Eurorail pass. Oh. Um, and so I just took that Eurorail pass and yes, technically I was based in, in Germany. Um, but my host family happened to be really young they were in their twenties. So they were super open and super liberal. And I took that Eurorail pass and I was crisscrossing Eastern and Western Europe. I was lucky enough to have a host family who was from the former, um, Eastern Germany. Oh, okay. So like they in East Berlin, they have family, etc. So I was everywhere. I was Czech Republic. Um, I was... I went everywhere. I had a really good time. Bulgaria, like places that you're just like, what, what you, what's this little black girl doing there? Um, I went there. I got um, connected with African communities, got my hair braided. Cause like wherever black people are, you can get your hair braided. Yep, so. You sure can. <laughs> you can't get nothing else. You can make sure you get your hair braided. Yeah, get some good food and get your hair braided. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yep. So I just, and for me, that just taught me like a fierceness of like being independent of just figuring stuff out. I remember at one point I had taken a four day trip to, uh, was it Budapest? Yeah, it was Budapest. And I didn't understand the proper directions in terms of when my bus was returning back and I missed it. Oh my goodness. Me being 16 years old, stuck uh, in a former communist country by myself that's really known for um, a lot of human trafficking happening there, even at that time. Um, and you know what? I figured it out. I got myself a little hotel and I booked myself another um, bus the next day and just figured out, and like, don't panic. Like, don't panic. Right. Don't freak out. And at 16, that's a lot to do. I mean, even as a grown woman now that I am, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I did that as like an itty bitty, like, because 16 is an itty bitty. You think you know stuff, but you, you don't know much. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I would say Europe was a much easier place to do that. I felt like the community there, I mean, just over the European culture was just more amenable to having younger people 
live yes. and not be tethered to a, an adult. Yes. Um, that's what I found because when I went, I was 16 and mm-hmm. I went to France and I, it was kind of a tour. So we went around France and stuff and my teacher was super cool and she let us out as long as we weren't have, didn't have an official tour activity. She said, go explore. Um, just, you know, check back in. And this is before cell phones. So it was just check back in, you know, this is the time you're supposed to be back. Just be back by that time and don't go alone. Those are the two, her only two things, but we were all 16, 17 years old and we were just out and about, uh, checking things out, going to places. And I felt very at ease. Like I never felt scared or anything. I mean, it also helps that during the summer months, the, uh, the sun is out very late. <laughs> so uh, I remember we spent a bunch of time. We wanted to go to a movie, which ended up being a bus, but we wanted to go to a movie and we made plans and we got all excited. We're like, we're going to go to a French movie and this is going to be so much fun and da, 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 da. I'm mapping the way back because I'm super cautious. I become mama bear when I'm, especially when I'm with other people, I'm mapping the way back to make sure we don't get lost on the way home. And then the Mer- the movie ended up being an American movie dubbed <laughs> in French. I was like, yeah, okay. No. <laughs> I didn't recognize any of the actors. So I was like, I don't know who any of these people are, but it ended up being an American movie. And then on the way home, it was still bright outside. So we got at like 1030 and it was still sun shining. I was like, ah, oh, we could have spent so much time doing other things instead of me making sure that yeah, I could get back to the hotel, but it was super easy. And people are still out. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Out in cafes, out with their strollers. It's just, it's a different type of lifestyle. Yeah. You would have never thought like here at 10 o'clock, you know, you're basically just going to a club. Yeah. There's really nothing else to do at 10 o'clock outside. So the streets are empty, but there, you know, everyone's walking and talking and just having fun. It's, it's just like it's in the middle of the day. Yep. So Tell me about three of the top places you've gone or for you, where are the best places you've traveled? Wow, that's tough because I feel like every single place I've gone has, for me, has been, for the most part, amazing. Uh, to be honest, one probably my least favorite or one of my least favorite places was Iceland, but that is really? just because I don't like gray skies that much oh. and I don't like um, cooler weather. Like, I'm a hot weather girl. Like, I am definitely like the summer, eternal summer girl like when it starts to get in the low 70s 60s oh yeah that's not working for me that's not that's exactly that's my sweet slot that's my sweet slot (laughs) that's it that's what i'm like a light sweater jeans boots works perfectly mind you i've never lived in a climate like that but i love the idea of living in a climate like that I'm like a cut off shorts and like a tank top of flip-flop girl. Like uh, if I can wear it, that's my uniform pretty much every single day. Like that's how I get down. When it starts to get cold, I'm not. And the funny thing is like in high school, I skied. Like I skied in Germany. I was on ski team. I was ski club. Uh-huh. And like some kind of way, you know, when I turned 25 plus, it was just like, oh, a cold weather place. Uh-uh. So, um, so, so that being said, probably one of my favorite places is definitely Indonesia. Um, and not Bali. I'm actually not a big fan of Bali. Like, okay. um, but like Joe Jakarta, Java, like Manado, all those other islands, like fascinating, fantastic, like diving, the most amazing food in the world, most beautiful culture. I also speak Indonesian. I did a Fulbright in Indonesia. So I'm okay. just like, <laughs> I just, and I love like exploring all the different islands because they're all so 
different. Like they're yeah. just so different. And the, you can go from one island to another and the food can be different. They also like the spices, which I'm a Nigerian girl. We like our spices. We like our pepper. We like our hot food. So Definitely. And, and Indonesians love the hot, hot, spicy food too. So that probably would be in my top three. And then of course I'd have to put Nigeria in there because I am a Nigerian girl. Again, love like the hot weather love Nigerian food. Nigerians are wild and crazy, but they're still like good people. And like, they will, you know, they'll have your back in a second. Like somebody come for you, they'll come after you, after them 10 times harder. And it also just being in like in a city like Lagos, it teaches you just to have that hustle. Cause when mm. you're in a mega city, a city with like 25 million people on a good day, on like a bad day, I swear it's upwards of like 30 million people. There's so many people you can't even breathe. It just brings out like, an aggressiveness and a perseverance that you just don't get just being nilly. I mean, there's no city in Pittsburgh, including New York, where I feel that same energy of just like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and like, it's just, and it's just, it's almost like electrifying. Now, this is not this in New York, folks, because New York definitely has amazing energy, but it's just, it's just something when you just got that many people in one place, like all, it's almost like when you see a National Geographic, like a school of fish and you see like thousands of them just, and you're like, what if one of them turns and goes the other way? You're like, hey, he probably won't make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I think we got the best insight of Nigeria from um, the new special, Yvette Ors, the comedian. Have you seen uh... that special? No, I haven't. Yeah, so she takes you. Uh Yeah, Uh she take takes you home. Okay. During the special. Okay. And so she talks about it, and but she actually shows you like around, and Uh I think you kind of get the best feeling of, you know, unfortunately we do a lot of showing and telling of a lot of cities, not a lot of cities on the entire continent of Africa, so it was just very cool to see like her home her parents, her, the city. She talked to the people on the street. Um, so you should check that out. It's, uh, I think it's on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. I definitely will check it out. I, I love when people are representing um, Nigeria. I know when um, Anthony Bourdain did his big special, I was still living in Nigeria. And it was, I remember when he came and then I remember when it aired as well. And people were just like losing their mind that like Nigeria, particularly Lagos, you know, the, mm-hmm. the bad boy of Africa was getting, you know, a lot of um, international airplay. So I'll definitely yeah. check it out. Yeah. So she, she, she basically, I mean, what I got out of it is don't ask anyone for directions. <laughs> get your get your GPS and yeah. just bring your GPS with you because yeah. and maybe it'll work maybe it won't we'll see like <laughs> roads that like you're like there's not supposed to be a road here well somebody decided to build one so there is one <laughs> hashtag governments matter <laughs> yes it does, it does, it does. Um, so what what tips would you give okay so a couple I have a couple questions so what tips would you give someone who's traveling because now you're traveling with your toddler. <laughs> Um, how often do you uh, change locations? And with that, how hard is it? Like, what tips would you give to make the, make it easier? So I would say, first of all, traveling my daughter, who just turned two years old, her name's Ruth, is probably the most amazing experience ever. Now, remember, I'm an older mama. I'm 41. Yeah. So some of my ripping and running and going to the club days are behind me. Although occasionally, you know what? I'll show up with like, yeah, girl's house done. Like, I'll show what LL Cool J was talking about, what he said around the way, girl. Okay. You know. 
Okay. Okay. And we have girls that we don't want to talk about, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, so it's so what I'm looking for when I travel is a little bit like different, right? Like it's not necessarily that I'm doing like these late nights where I'm just trying to like experience it all, including like the men, the clubs, the food, all that stuff, right? I did all that, and I don't got I don't put that past nobody. Like 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever you want. If that's what you're into, go and do it because there is so much to partake in in the world, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but now it's just different, and and that's the reason why we slow travel, right? Because like she is like a little girl and like she does need some source some sense of like normalcy and routine right so when on average we probably spend at least six months like sometimes as long as like nine ten months in one different location like i rent like a house like we set up shop right she usually gets like a nanny and i always say especially if you're a single mama and you Mm -hmm. want to do this lifestyle get support because it is stressful, like going to a new city, like it's stressful, just like in general, Mm -hmm. it's stressful being a mama, like no lie. And I love my daughter. I love spending every single minute with her. I think because since I've left the United States again, I've probably become a better mother just because I have more time to focus on her. But I also become a wiser mother in the sense of, I know the countries we're going to, and I know that childcare is relatively affordable. Um, which means uh, I can have a day nanny, I can have a night nanny, and it just makes all like some of these two parent households. I'm like, wow, is this what it's like? Uh, <laughs> um, just to have that extra set of hands to help you yeah. um, out just makes all the difference in the world. And then when you see your kid, especially, you know, people, somebody as young as my daughter who's two years old, she picks up languages like the way I pick up rocks. Like, oh, yeah, the young <laughs> yeah, ones. Like, yeah, like. Pick up language is so easy, but part of it, I'm, I will say this, part of it is their their own native language is so limited. You know, okay. when we're trying to have a conversation, we're using big words like conversation mm-hmm. and <laughs> they're just trying to say talk. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to have, uh, get new language when you're only working with a small part, but that is such a great um, part of the brain Yes. to flex on a, on a super early basis. I really wish I was more dedicated with my own children um, to get into that, but that will be happening soon. <laughs> That's definitely on the horizon. It truly just is amazing. And just even to see like her confidence, right? Like it's interesting, right? Because I feel like, and this is no diss to America, maybe it is, but like, I feel like in America, we, we say we're child-centric and then you go to other parts of the world and you truly see people who are child-centric who who could even say we're child-centric here we cannot know if if they are saying we're child-centric i mean i moved to florida where so i'm from california and california is super liberal and you know you can easily get three two to three months off for leave and that's you know that's a lot for some people and moving to florida because we're at it's a at will state and technically california is too but here they can fire you if you're pregnant. So people, you know, there are employers who just ask, hey, you know, when they start seeing you show, I've heard stories of women who literally get let go because they're, they don't want to pay for maternity leave or give them leave while they're, they have to take care of their kids. That's an entire state. So, and I'm sure they're, they're not the only ones. We are not child centric. And that's part of what's, the problem with this pandemic, yes, you know, yes. I mean, we're forcing kids to go back to school. And if we are really honest, all of the education, I mean, and I'm a big on education. I love education. I think it's super important, 
But if the whole country is behind, always a big question of moving and and re and planting yourself somewhere else. So what do you do to bridge that gap or not gap or make that money? I should just say. <laughs> so there's a couple of things. One, I think that what people think it costs to live this lifestyle and what it actually costs are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are like, oh, she's gallivanting all around the world. Like it must be so expensive. And it really is not. Because one, again, I'm in a small village and I'm in a small village that's a very touristy village. So that makes it slightly higher. But um, I still live on less than $1,000 a month. And wow. I, I left the Bay Area this time, like, you know, when I, I was living in the Bay Area briefly and like my rent in the Bay Area alone was $3,500. I, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so I went from spending $3,500 just on rent and probably I think my nanny was about four k a month, right? So like those were just, two, that's not even including food, car insurance, any of that stuff. Right. Those two of my extent to now just living off like $1,000 a month. Um. So, and then, you know, I'm a black woman and I'm a Nigerian. So like, there's like, I put all the caps and hustle, um, <laughs> like all of them. Like, like if I, if I can't figure out a way to make at least a thousand dollars a month, shame on me. I need to get every single card I got revoked. <laughs> so do you do it online or do you look for a position once you get there? So, so what I did, so I just, because I had established myself in the public policy arena, like I had, I had been doing that for the last 20 years, that it was pretty much easy for me to transition into consultant, consulting. Okay. And then on top of that, I started coaching other black women on how to move abroad because people were just asking like, Jackie, you stay in a new country. Like, oh, you did two years stand here. You do a, a six month stand here. Like, how the heck are you doing all this? And I'm like, oh girl, I got you. Um, and you know, I started with like, I think three clients and then it's just grown to where I'm now, I'm just picking and choosing clients that I want. And I also teach a course as well, just to kind of get more people in. Um, and that's been, in fact, probably that's almost taken place of like number one in terms of like how I generate income. But then I, of course, Mm -hmm. as I said, I'm Nigerian girl. So I have, (laughs) and like, we don't do broke. Um, so I have also like a couple of, um, online businesses too right like i have like a shop i have an etsy shop um i have drop shipping so um you just like you just get out there and you just learn how to like make income and the thing about it is and i tell all my clients this as well like you mm-hmm. should just in any place even if you're still living in america you should have at least at least three different income streams coming in ideally like seven like I got seven like <laughs> like because like one goes away like people now like their main source of income yeah which is, see like their job goes away and all of a sudden they got $500 in a bank account and their mortgage is due next month and it's 1200 like right and like that that shouldn't be like you should have some sort of you should everybody should have some sort of like side hustle now it doesn't necessarily mean you got to be working out all the time like my Etsy store pretty much runs itself like people order it's not like I'm packing the stuff like I have somebody who does it all for me and I just look and make sure there's no issues right yeah and then on top of that there's things like virtual assistants which can help you which can be relatively like affordable you get a virtual assistant for five hours a week just to kind of handle some of that you know stuff that you just don't feel like being bothered with like I'm a big fan of outsourcing like you outsource what you can't I ain't cooking (laughs) I ain't cleaning 
<laughs> um, I don't do that stuff. Look, because it takes away from doing stuff that one brings me money in, and right. two, like also stuff that like I enjoy. Now, if I loved cooking, like if you love cooking, go on, get in the kitchen and cook. Right. But if cooking is your thing. If my daughter ain't really enjoying my food, like. <laughs> I don't got What's no business What's the point? You know? <laughs> and like it's it cost me a hundred, I think a hundred dollars a month, and that's a good salary for my part-time um nanny. Because I only yeah, yeah. Right? And then it's another a hundred dollars a month to have somebody cook for me. And then the woman who comes and washes my clothes two times a week, each time she washes them, I pay her fifteen dollars. And I'm overpaying. Wow. So it's like, it's so cheap. And you're also like, supporting people, especially now during like this pandemic. Like, I'm just trying to think like, what can I get people to do? Like, I got a little <laughs> garden, like, all right, we'll pay you. Like, it ain't even that big. Let me pay you a farmer. Let's design a garden outside. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, need yeah. a landscaper to come cut yeah. some leaves. And it's funny because then I'll have on Facebook and I'll have a picture of this big old pumpkin, this big old core talking about, I cooked that. I mean, I grew that. And it's just like, Jackie, you better be honest with these people. You didn't grow that. You better put that seed in that ground with that man's hill, that seed, took care of it. Like, mm-hmm. while you sat, like, while you sat on the internet doing your work. So, you know, I still try to keep it super real with people. Like, I outsource. Like, I'm the, out, like, I'm the outsourcing queen. Um, and it's, it's easy to do when you live in countries where the cost of living isn't necessarily as high as like, you know, some places in, in, in the developing world. And truly that's like my secret. But at the same time, I mean, I I probably could live in a Europe or, you know, some parts of Africa because all of Africa isn't cheap, like how people think it is. Right. And we'll probably spend um, 2021, at least part of it in, on, in, in East Africa and, and eventually making our way to West Africa. Um, because for me, it's also important that one, Ruth learn Yoruba because that is her indigenous native language. And two, I want her to see the place like our ancestral home village right where yes. 500 years ago people her very same last name were living and that's not a gift that many black people from america have and nope. so i so i really want her to be able to go there and see it and see people who look just like her um and who are actually related to her like distant cousins etc cetera, etc cetera. like i want i want her to know that part of herself so that's very important to me and the good thing about the kind of lifestyle we lead is because when I was in the U.S., like my business expense, I'm not, I wasn't necessarily like a credit card person or any of that. I didn't have that sort of debt, but I did have student loan debt. Like I went to law yeah. school, like, like you go to law school, you're going to graduate with $80,000 worth of debt easily. And living abroad has like afforded me the opportunity to just be chipping away, chipping away, chipping away because like I'm only spending even on months where we're, tra- when we were traveling, we ain't traveling right now. And like, I'm traveling lavishly because again, um, maybe, you know, there's some people who are over 40 who are like, they like roughing it and like hard beds and all that. That ain't me, girl. No. <laughs> that, 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 that ain't, that ain't where I am in my life. I don't do hostels. Um, yeah, I need hot water. I don't care how hot it is outside. I need hot water. I need flushing toilets. Now I've done all that other stuff, that uncomfortable stuff. And it was cute and it can be exotic. Mm-hmm. But right now where I am in my life and when I'm traveling my baby, I just want to be comfortable. I need a place with a tub, which can be hard to find. Like, mm-hmm. can be hard to find. But my daughter, she's not in the showers. She's not. Right. Like, she's not in the showers. Um, so, and that can be hard. It can actually be hard to find places with tubs because that's a bit like a Western style tub. That's a very Western concept. But like, because now I'm in a position where like, that's what I want. 
So I pay to get it and I find it. And the good thing also about living in the developing world, if you got cash is king, and if you got money, you can get what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. Um, where is, okay, so you said a few things. One, definitely outsourcing. Um, yeah. I need to do a lot more of that. And a completely aside, not really part of your story, but kind of, um, where'd you go to law school? So I went to the University of Pittsburgh Law School. Okay. I went to UC Davis Law School. So not practicing either. Um, but I have, I have all that debt. I, I still have all that debt. Yep. <laughs> exactly. still, still, got it. still working at it. Still yeah, chipping. Yeah, yeah. Chipping away. Chipping away. Chipping away. Yeah. Um, where is the least expensive but best lifestyle that you've experienced? It just all, I mean, it truly like all depends. So we're headed to Mexico City next. We're headed okay. to Mexico probably in like the next two weeks. Mexico City is by far one of my favorite cities in the world. Oh, um, okay. Yes. It, I mean, it's truly like just amazing. It has the population that like Lagos does. So like, uh, so Mexico City is probably like 22, 23 million people. Okay. Um, but it's just so cosmopolitan and so dynamic and um, it's expensive for Mexico, but it's not expensive for, you know, again, coming from like the Bay Area, which is, is completely, completely recalibrates how you think of like prices. So, yes, um, like you could, but you could still there, you could get like a two bedroom for like 1200. Okay. That's, that's when I say top of the line, like not talking about like, yeah, I, I, I'm very into comfort. <laughs> Like, I can't. It was like people are like twelve hundred. That's how much I pay. Blah blah blah. I'm like, no. When I say that, I mean like service department, doorman, like pool. Yeah, the all works. that parking space. Yeah, like the works. Like, um, so and that probably the, for the quality of living that you get, um, you actually are doing really, really like well. And there's just everything. Like there's five star dining. There's like um, there's a Rodeo Drive. So if you're in that, and you get like for me though, one of the important things is that even though I like to live well, I still, I very rarely hang out in expat circles. Like I just, okay. I have a group of friends who are very like cosmopolitan and travel the world. Sometimes we're in the same city, sometimes we're not. But for the most part, like here in, in San Pedro, everybody, like my whole community are all mm -hmm. indigenous Mayan people for the most part. Like they're, okay. I mean, my daughter speaks, um, the indigenous Mayan language here, Sutu Hill, um, which I I can say a couple words, and that's it, girl. It is so hard for me. Like it's like a, I try, girl. I really do. Like Spanish, I got it. Like I can get, I can do whatever I want in Spanish. But to me, that's also like important. Like I didn't actually leave the United States to recreate my like U.S. lifestyle. Like I wanted to immerse myself in like other cultures. In right? the culture, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very, I'm very, very, very adamant about like, I go like, well, pre-Corbett, now I don't, I get all my food delivered. Um, <laughs> and like, it don't got to be as fancy as like Uber Eats and DoorDash and all that fancy Yeah, I was going to say, do they have that down there? <laughs> they do have a, they do have a guy that you just sent a text message to and tell him what you want. And he gets on his little bike and goes oh. to the market and gets it for you. It's the same concept, just not all the technology. Like, oh, that, that sounds wonderful. Cause you yeah. probably get exactly what you want every single time too. Exactly <laughs> Every single time. So, you know, it, it, it works. But, you know, I, I enjoy going to the, like, I love markets. It's hot and it's hectic and chaotic as they can be. I love, like, getting in there and, like, haggling. I'm all, again, I'm also Nigerian. Like, this is what we do. Like, if you tell me it's, it's $10, I'm going to get you down to two. Trust. Yeah. <laughs> 
trust. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, um, so no, it's just, it's just, it's for me, that sort of stuff is like fun. And then I also like, I love art. Um, like I love, like I, I'm the, the woman who washes my clothes is also a weaver. So I take weaving lessons from her twice a week. I'm weaving my own, like this is a traditional shirt. I'm weaving my own. Oh, um, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so no, it's just, it's for me. And she doesn't actually speak Spanish at all. I mean, she speaks a little Spanish mainly like most older people here don't speak Spanish because they never went to school. Right. Um, so they speak their indigenous language, but for me, that's like, <laughs> it's fun like no. I just love it like I love I love my daughter hanging with like the other little kids on the beach and most little kids like their parents speak to them especially now the government has really made it um, a priority for indigenous children to learn indigenous languages right like you can learn Spanish anytime um, so it's just cool it's just for me it's just, it, that's just so much fun I love that I love exposing my daughter to that I love the fact that there are both black and brown people here in Guatemala which was also very important for me that my daughter see people who look like her mm-hmm. um, and see that and not also because for me it was also very important that her definition of what blackness is is not mm-hmm. limited it's not boxed in that she sees it like there i i remember you know when i was in like high school people on the block not understanding that there were black people spoke french <laughs> girl <sighs> girl girl Listen, experience and exposure. Exposure means so much. You know, when they say, you know, black skin or black culture or black um, imagery matters, that's why. Because when you don't see it, you don't know. You don't know what other people can do. And you think all black people speak English. Yes. Or Swahili. Yes, exactly. So it's just for for me, like, all those things were just, it was just so important um and also like when i when i made the decision to even leave at what 13 or 14 when i was thinking you know like us isn't gonna be my permanent home i will float in and out of it but i will never live there all the time um i also got to see understood like us privilege and also understood white privilege right because i think those are two separate buckets there's white people privilege and how they just gallivant around the world being hella white um and then you got like american privilege which is like you know when people like see my last name right and they're like "Uh uh-oh we got a scammer alert scammer alert and then hear my u.s accent and see my blue passport then things change a lot like doors open Mm. for me right and i completely Mm. recognize that privilege because i see when the light bulb switches in people's eyes and they're like oh she's not a prostitute she's an american (laughs) (laughs) that's that's where they go their mind goes (laughs) yeah Oh, she's not a refugee. She's an American, right? Like, and it's just completely like doors open. Like all of a sudden, people are like, "Oh, like Beyonce. Like, do you know her? Like, um, yeah, just, all us black people know each other. Yeah, I got her on my like, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, but like I, but because I've been doing this for such a long time, and I've seen that, and I can, I can almost like clockwork, like see it. Like I can even see when like white Americans in particular, like when they see me and my daughter, they're like, "Oh, like you're here." from America, you travel. <laughs> uh, but so I am very, very conscious about not traveling like a colonizer, right? Yeah. Like I'm very, very conscious because I do recognize that, yes, there's lots of anti-blackness, there's racism all over the world, mm-hmm. but there is a, definitely a privilege that comes with being an American, yeah. right? And there's a privilege that comes with being an American with money. Yeah. 
Well, that was one of the things that I realized when I was in, when I was in France. So um, I, even though this was 20 plus years ago, the two things that I did, which is very similar was I didn't really like, I mean, Paris was okay, but I really liked the small cities we went to much better. And even in Paris, it wasn't, we tried not to say like downtown, we, you know, went to clubs and bars like on the outskirts that were a little bit more just local and native. Um, and then what I noticed was, even though at the time I could actually speak pretty fluid French, um, I realized I got a lot better treatment than most Americans did because Parisians especially do not care for the American attitude. Um, <laughs> and ones who clearly spoke English would pretend not to speak English to rude Americans. And so they go, huh? Oh, uh no i no no <laughs> and you knew they and they had just come and talked to me in english so i knew they spoke english and they were just no no i don't, I don't know they're like pointing they're like here just look at the <laughs> and so they it just it was something that just it seemed to bring them joy <laughs> to irritate the americans <laughs> because they i'm like you're in another country and then for some reason, you think yelling in English is somehow going to make them understand English. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Let's just get louder with it. Yeah, yeah. Let's just read because that that improves comprehension skills when you just scream at people um, and get impatient. Okay. okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So for me, that's just it's, that's just so important, and I just I I just love it, and I feel like I get in the culture in ways that like. And that's another reason why we slow travel too, right? I like to get deep in the culture. I really like to understand things and like people's traditions, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't, you don't get that when you're just in a place for like two weeks. You don't get that when you don't really make an, an, an honest effort to understand like the language. Like yeah. I say, I'm not good at Sutu Hill. I can say some things, but I'm like, man, if I could really just even get like elementary Sutu Hill down, like that would be just in a completely different level what that would open me up to in terms of right. who I'd be able to have conversations. Because even now when I, you know, I say my little words, I'm negotiating the market because the market, like if you do your numbers in Sutu Hill, girl, just watch them prices fall, fall, fall. <laughs> <laughs> and now at this point, they know me, right? Like, especially know like my daughter, because like even uh, at least pre-pandemic, her nanny took her everywhere. And it's only a town of 14,000, right? So everybody right. knows called Black Girl and they know like my nanny carrying the little girl around. Um, so it's just like, people just lose their minds. Like, like my daughter's like a celebrity. In fact, my landlord one day, he was like, how long have you lived here? Cause it seems like you've lived here like 20, 30 years. Like the way people know you. And I'm like, nah, yeah. I'm just friendly. Yeah, and I just, like it. Well, yeah, just friendly. I like it. I like to like, look, I'll go back and forth with you by living at Suto Hill. I'll go back and forth with you in Spanish. Like we can talk, we can shoot it. Like we can shoot a bat and talk about whatever. Like, yeah. I'm not shy. Like 25 years, 25 years, years of doing this, like you can't, shyness just goes out. Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine to really enjoy it, you have to talk to people and you have to go out there and you have to meet new people. If you show up in a brand new community, mm-hmm. you have to. So I have another question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Uh-huh. Um, what was the, the most surprising place? Like you had an idea of what the place was going to be and it surprised you, good or bad. It just was not what you were expecting. I would probably say Columbia. Okay. I just didn't expect Columbia to be as black as it is. Oh. And okay. I just, that was my own ignorance. I just, I, 
and most of the time I do a lot of research when I go into countries, but here I am taking me and my daughter to Colombia and I look and I'm like, everybody's black. <laughs> and when you think about like Colombia, you think like Shakira, Shakira, mm-hmm. well, not, she comes from Middle, Middle Eastern heritage, like her family immigrated right. um, to Colombia. But um, like, I'm like, this is the blackest. This is the blackest uh, Latin country there is, huh? Yeah, yeah, like, this is black. Like, you know, I knew about in Brazil because everywhere I go in the world, people always think I'm Brazilian. Um, right. And, but I also think that's because, you know, Yoruba blood. Like, Yoruba people can, in some ways, are, are very similar. But I'm looking here and I'm like, well, clearly some of my cousins came here too because, um, hello. I was like, <laughs> Ruth. Ruth, we might be in Colombia for when these borders open again. We might be in Colombia for, um, but no, it was true. That was something I just didn't expect. But I will say, on in that, I expect I would expect the food to be a slightly more flavorful. I wasn't in love with Colombian food. Like I thought they would be able to like throw down, and mm-hmm. they did well. But like, there's other parts of that where it could definitely um, crush Colombians when they come. Come, when it comes to food, if you're Colombian, don't come for me. Don't come for me. Just send me to the restaurant to get some good Colombian food. You don't got to talk about me, like rip me apart, talk about. I'm just saying, like this is my humble opinion. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, visa. How does that work? How did the slow travel work with your passport? I have no idea. I have never traveled for any length of time. So, how does it work when you say you want to go? you're an American and you want to go to another country, how does, can you just do that? Or do you need special permission? So it truly, it truly, no, there are some Americans who just do it. Like go to Mexico. There's a whole bunch of Americans who just like one day Mexico decided to crack down on legal immigration. Um, they'd be sending a lot more people back to America than America's ever sent back to, uh, to Mexico. Um, <laughs> but uh, so most places have like, at least like a tourist visa. Okay. Um, which will get you like 90 days, right? And a lot of countries, for instance, Guatemala has a 90-day tourist visa, which you can do a border run and just get it renewed. Or you can just send your passport or go to the capital and get a, another, I think, 60-day extension Okay. on that. Um, and then at the end of that extension, you just go and do like a border run. And most people just do a weekend trip to some bordering country or they'll go back home like if, if you're in guatemala city which i am not but if you're in guatemala city you can fly into houston for uh i think a two and a half hour flight mm-hmm. um and the flight is under 100 bucks so if you want to go shopping for the day people are like let me just go shopping for the day at some big you know everything's bigger in texas let me go shopping <laughs> for the day let me go shopping for the day in um in houston and then um let me just come back like go in the morning come back you don't have to be gone 24 hours or you could just literally tag in tag out um so that is what a lot of people do now the beautiful thing about this this digital nomad lifestyle is becoming more and more mainstream is that there are also a lot of countries that have like one-year visas or digital nomad visas which means you can stay sometimes a year sometimes longer on a visa as long as you're not actually like working in the country when i say working like working taking a job away from somebody who's there um and then um you just like have to find ways to support yourself and if you have a remote job where you're getting paid in u.s dollars like 
you can pretty it's much, not any issue yeah it's not, it's not that big of a deal and then other places you can still there are different types of visas that you can do like you can just like figure it out if you're somebody if you're a u.s citizen who's over 55 like you're pretty much in all of central america they have some sort of retirement visa yeah um, that's what i i heard yeah, and and the um, the requirements are pretty low. I mean, they range from being like fifteen hundred a month to twenty five hundred dollars a month, which is you know what some people are getting in Social Security and like if they have a pension. You know, if you come from that generation, which I don't, um, <laughs> um, then it's pretty easy to meet the financial thresholds of that. And the beautiful mm-hmm. thing about that is even if you got like, don't know, but don't. It's just you and I talking. It's girl talk. Nobody else listed. Um, the beautiful thing about that is if you have a mama or, or 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 a daddy or somebody who is over 55 who meets those requirements at 1500, what you do is you get them to get their visa and then they can sponsor people. So they get their permanent residency and they just sponsor you to come on over and maybe they come visit you once every three months and you know keep their, their little residency card good. But you live in, you doing well. You didn't hear that from me, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. A lo- a lo- other people have used that. I'm sure other people have done that stuff. Look, I just heard. And then there are people, you know, um, and there's also people, people who are really into like world school, and, world schooling, and people that are still fertile in the sense of they, they're still having children. Like it's not uncommon for somebody, for instance, to go to Panama, to go to Colombia, um, and have a baby there. Okay. Um, Because their baby will still be a U.S. citizen, um, but they'll also be a a citizen of that country, and that baby can actually spawn. Okay. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I don't know. I feel like you've covered a lot. I would just say (laughs) that any any parent out there, any person out there, not even a parent, no matter kind of what your age is, age range is, like just be open to the possibility. Like if this is something that you want to do, just be open and just take steps toward it. it is people think it's so intimidating. They think it's something you have to be super wealthy to be able to do. No, I wasn't broke when I did it. Like, no, but I do know, I do know people who were, and I do feel like that when you start setting your intentions to something, right, that's how you manifest things. And um, even when I'm working with my one-on-one clients, once they, once they make the decision that, yeah, this is something I can and I am going to do, don't know exactly how I'm going to do it, then doors just start opening. But you just got to be willing to walk through them when an opportunity comes and say, okay, like, I'm going to do this. And to just ignore the naysayers, because like, your life is yours to be lived. Like, when you hear people say, oh, don't do that, don't go there, blah, 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 I don't like black people, there, blah, 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 and all that other stuff that comes out of people's mouth, that's their own fears and insecurities, and you can't mm-hmm. let those become yours, because, like, yes, bad things can happen to you abroad, like, yeah, I've been, like, pickpocketed, and that's pretty much, yeah, I've been called an N-word, too, um, but, like, <laughs> all that's happened to me in America, right? I'm still Right, standing. exactly. I, I, I was still standing. And, like, you figure, like, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Like, for me, when I always did, you know, my self-assessment, like, what's the worst thing that pretty much worst thing that happened to me? I could be, like, dead broke and I have to come home and live with my mama. Oh, well, my mama's not not a horrible person, right? And <laughs> right. I just, yeah, I just thought all over again, right? I've been, I've been, I've been here before, so. I've been to the bottom. <laughs> I can climb my way back to the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, you've learned so much and you think of, like, all, you know, people who have great stories to tell, right? There's always been some sort of trials and tribulations. There's always been some sort of fear that they've had to overcome, some mountaintop they've had to climb and get over. So, 
yes, every day will not be perfect and it won't be like your tour museums. And some days it's just going to be super like boring. Like it's raining all day. You just sitting at home, like chilling, but like that's mm-hmm. life. Right. Right. But, but what for me, what I've made the conscious decision of doing is just, I didn't want to be on a hamster wheel anymore. Like, and I don't want to be on a hamster wheel. Like, I don't want to just be living from paycheck to paycheck. I don't want to come home every night and just be exhausted and really not be able to spend any sort of quality time with my daughter um, or even quality time with myself. Like, I don't, I did a lot of things that I enjoyed when I lived in San Francisco, but like now, like, would I be taking like a weaving class? Like, yeah. But I've been getting on my paddleboard every morning and taking my daughter out and her little <laughs> her little life vest and like yeah. probably not just because my my lifestyle like one I couldn't live that close to the water in the Bay Area right like right yeah so no not you couldn't have ooh we went yeah. to my husband got uh went to the final round in a job interview out and we ended up out in um uh in outside out by Walnut Creek uh-huh. okay. And so we went out there and we were looking at places, a three bedroom, a three bedroom home to rent was $3,500 a month. And we're not even in the city. This is well outside the city. Yep. <laughs> and it was like suburb or suburb. Yeah, suburb. Like that's like outside of Oakland. Like you go Yeah. To- yeah. <laughs> that's a nice little little jaunt. And it was still thirty five hundred dollars a month. And I just I was like, we need more money. You're going to have to make a lot more to, for us to move here because this is, this is an expensive place to live. <laughs> and you're tripling our, you're tripling, tripling even just our base mortgage costs mm-hmm. just with the, the rent. So forget gas because mm-hmm. I already know California gas is more expensive. Mm-hmm. So when you start compounding all those things, when you move anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, you really think about how much travel you're doing. So like here, um, we need a car to go everywhere. You probably walk a lot more places because it's only a town of 14,000. Yep. So there's probably not a lot of gas or if any gas that you use mm-hmm. on any kind of regular basis. Um, and those are things, those are really important things to, to think about. So um, I really appreciate having you on. I and um, awesome. can you tell us where to find you? Yes, yeah, so you can visit my website, which is www.thejackieolife.com, and Jackie spelled J-A-C-K-I-E, and then O, like the letter O, um, life.com, and that's also my Instagram handle, the Jackie O Life, um, and you can find me there, and you can find me on Twitter as well. All right, that sounds great. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. This was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Other Side of 40. You can find us at our site, theothersideof40.com, and on Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Other Side 40.